we're going to elevate dueling to a new level with balloons. I'm Kevin Leeson. Half-naked dueling. What were we fighting about? I'm Lisa Jimino. Lord Minimus made short work of his opponents. I'm Joe Fulgen. I got this duel. It's in the bag. I'm Torn Atkinson. This is... Caustic Soda! All right, duels of honor. Or honor. honor. Lisa G is here. Jimino. Jimino as our special guest. Yes, I've... thank you very much for having me once again. I am honored and oh, well, delighted. Th- th- if you're honored, that's very appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because honor... You haven't yet insulted my honor. <laughs> Not yet. It no, could happen. It's a good thing. I don't <laughs> want to duel G- Lisa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. No kidding. <laughs> Unless it's Team Fortress 2, then I'll kick your ass. Oh, yeah. Do- mm-hmm. You destroy me. Oh, the yeah. gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, no, there's no gauntlet there. You destroy me. I no, digitally I slap your digital face with my digital glove. <laughs> Woohoo! And I digitally pick it up and give it back to you. The word origin. Latin, duo, meaning two, obviously. And L meaning kill. Well, duellum uh, means war. It's an old Latin form of bellum. So it means war between two people? Yeah. Yeah. Cacoraphiophobia is the fear of failure or defeat. Oh, I didn't know I had that. Cacoraphiophobia. Cacoraphiophobia. I so don't have that. A lot of K's and R's in there. What does it have to do with the children's entertainer? Raffi? Raffi? Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm afraid of Caco Raffi. Caco means bad, so that's the evil Raffi. Ah, uh, evil you know, Raffi. Afraid of evil. I'm personally afraid of Raffi. Oh, okay. so, yeah. Yeah. A Raffi-phobia. I fear Raffi. Nice. Extra scared of evil Raffi, yeah. no doubt. That's just Raffi with a goatee, isn't it? Yeah, from the Mirror Universe. Yeah. He, he, and he you say you're not a Star midriff. Trek fan. A goatee and a bare midriff. I think evil Raffi would be singing <laughs> yes. some songs that Caustic Soda could feature. All right, so let's be very clear about what kind of duels we're talking about. Because we're not talking about sword fights. We're not talking about shootouts. Like in general, you mean? There will yeah. be some that are sword fights. Exactly. Okay. There will be both. We're not, but we're not talking about impromptu sword fights like uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, things, things that you would think of as a duel. Yeah. Like because it's just, just because, because there's two people, people fighting. fighting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're actually talking about an arranged engagement in combat between two individuals with matched weapons most of the time uh, in accordance with agreed upon rules most of the time. Right. See you on the street at high noon. Yeah. Pistols at dawn. Exactly. Yeah. Insults at 8 p.m. at the bar. And we're not talking about tournaments a la Mortal Kombat. Just duels of honor, primarily. Which is, I love that movie. You love Mortal Kombat? I I love it for the fighting, not for anything else. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Chiefly practiced in early modern Europe and continued into the 20th century, especially among military officers. During the 17th and 18th centuries, duels were mostly fought with swords, the rapier, later the small sword, and finally the French foil, but beginning in the late 18th century and during the 19th century, duels were most commonly fought using pistols. I think this was because pistols were so bad that there was a good chance that both people could actually walk away from it. Whereas with swords, you know, you kind of had, you stick a guy with a pointy end in order for it to end, right? It's true. It's hard to kind of wing a guy with a sword and make it look good. Yeah. Even, whereas it's pretty even, easy to miss with a pistol. Yeah, even yeah. first blood battles, there was always the chance. Like you just nick somebody in the wrong place and, mm. and that's the end of that, yeah. right? Man, yeah. I cut my finger with a knife the other day and it was like the tiniest little, like <laughs> nothing. And I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like ran to the bathroom to get a Band-Aid on it. Blood was pouring everywhere. It wasn't doing any damage, uh-huh. but I just freaked out. I cannot imagine sword fighting somebody. Between 1589 and 1607, some 4,000 Frenchmen died in duels. Oh, wow. It actually, it, it actually was a higher mortality rate than most wars. That's- there were more people dying in percentage of the population in duels than in most wars. Yeah. I guess oh. in a war, you could do a lot of just shooting over there, and then they shoot over here, and nobody gets hit. But in a duel, you both agree to get together and stand right next to each, each other. other and, with with and weapons. One of us sort. is going to fall down and die. And, yeah. it's, and stabbing. I mean, I wonder what the percentage was with respect to the number of duels versus the number of mortal wounds. A lot of them were lethal. Okay. They were generally fight duels to the death. Oh, okay. Generally. Well, in that era, they were duels to the death. Well, no wonder they so many of them ended up in death then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when that's your stated goal, it uh, it's, it's not much of a surprise. Pistol dueling was employed many times in the colonial United States until it fell out of favor in Eastern America in the 18th century. It was retained, however, in the American Old West for quite some time due to the absence of common law. Mm-hmm. The duel was based on a code of honor. Duels were fought not so much to kill the opponent as to gain satisfaction, that is, to restore one's honor by demonstrating a will- willingness to risk one's life for it. All right. As such, the tradition of dueling was originally reserved for the male members of nobility, honor being part of their station, which they inherited and could lose. Women, invalids, men of 60, and boys under the age of 15 were exempt, as well as clergy in Europe. Judicial dueling dates from about 500 common era. I mean, what kind yeah. of dude would you have to be to actually challenge any of those people to a duel, right? Ah, like, we're going to get to that because there's there's rules. It, you can, can you imagine you're like an able-bodied, like 30-year-old dude and you're like, oh, that 13-year-old is all up in my grill. I'm going to duel his ass. You're going to step to me? I'm taking him down. Yeah, or or in a uh, in a society where people, you know, live to like 40, a general rule, oh, I'm going after that octogenarian man. <laughs> or the priest. Oh, those priests are so smug i'm gonna wipe that smile that one-legged guy that guy's a jerk i'm taking him out man i actually am my sister i'm fine with the one-legged guy because that (laughs) that is like discrimination against oh handicap it's it's ableism yeah it's ableism it's dual dual related ableism plus you can just tie your leg up (laughs) yeah there you go it's like the peg leg of how very hopping fight that dennis guy pisses me off he's 59 and his birthday's coming up i had better challenge him soon it's like the ticking clock you're like oh man i gotta I can, get insulted he's 59 quick. i can take him yeah oh yeah you're you're, you're going up to the, the teenager in the street you're 15 in six months buddy <laughs> yeah i got my eye on you so once uh, an insult has been laid mm-hmm. or some such business one party would demand satisfaction from the offender one could signal this demand with an inescapably insulting gesture such as throwing his glove before him this is the origin of the phrase throwing down the gauntlet of course mm-hmm. Contrary to popular belief, hitting one in the face with a glove was not a challenge, but could be done after the glove had been thrown down as a response to the yeah, one issue. The actual oh. challenge. challenger would pick up the glove and, and to accept the duel. Whack, whack. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Was there an opportunity, like, between the glove landing and, you know, that you could, like, maybe throw a couple of stones in there before you gave him the old tinkles out of the face? You were good at, like, the sleight of hand. You could give it, like, a little extra. You just do the old thing. You reach down to grab it and then you kick it. Yeah, yeah. Kick, and then you just keep doing that until it's out of sight, and then you put some or jacks you, and uh, or you and reach other down, you grab that handful and spikes of dirt, in it. you know, whoosh! Yeah. Oh, sand in his I eyes. Know. Yes, we're dueling now. <laughs> right now. You get enough rocks in there, you hit him hard enough, you just go. Well, look, he can't even stand up to the glove. Yeah, he yeah. fell over. 
I just imagine Torin kicking the glove down the road, trying to get like pebbles into it, and the other guy going, "What the? This guy's such a clumsy clod." <laughs> I'm not fighting you now. <laughs> Actually, I can totally see Torin just looking down and going, "Hey, drop your glove." <laughs> Let's do a pop quiz. All right, I'm I'm popping for a quiz. Kevin, what is a second, and what are the duties of a second? Ooh, are we talking sword duel or or uh, or, or pistol duel? Both. <laughs> All right, so he's the guy that is uh, that is there. Uh, Stands right behind you, loads your gun or hands you your sword or, you know, is there to uh, make sure everything goes off as per rules. And uh, I'm pretty sure that if you get injured, he's the one who has to put you down permanently. Oh. No, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be awesome if you have your buddy there to like, you know, like a horse that breaks his leg. He's like, I'm sorry. You you know, you got winged. I got to put one in between your eyes. I'll be your second. Yeah. Joe, do you have anything to add to that? They made sure that the other the other party played fair. They checked the weapons beforehand to make sure that they were both uh, equal, if I recall. And I remembered seeing in one of the films I watched that the seconds both had swords out at the same time and were going back and forth with their swords out to, I don't know, make sure... Is it like tag team wrestling that the seconds actually have to get into it? It well, seemed like the seconds were there to just put their swords in and go, okay, that's enough. All right. I'm guessing. Seconds okay. would occasionally call hits. And uh, make sure that the other party didn't pull out an un- unregulated weapon. Right. If they felt that honor had been besmirched during the duel, the second could then challenge. If uh, your second, if it's a pistol duel and your second has to stand like slightly behind you <laughs> and just off. If, if your second gets hit, does that count? Can you then call the duel off? <laughs> That's a whole honor, other honor besmirching thing. Yeah. <laughs> you have to decide whether you aimed him or not. Yeah. And it's like. Probably be easier to hit. He wouldn't be expecting it. Yeah. So yeah. You want to take a guy out, challenge his buddy. Yeah. And then shoot him. Well, those pistols didn't have rifling, so it was uh, not exactly. It was kind of a, a wing and a prayer that it was going to head in the right direction. Just shrug. Eh. So to try to achieve reconciliation and cancel the duel, oh, that was yeah. the first oh. duty of the second. Duty okay. of the second. All right, I so have... that you don't look like a pussy, you bring your pussy friend to pussy yeah, out for exactly. you. <laughs> also, to determine a suitable field of honor. Oh, oh they picked the field. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Do they, they confer between the two of them? or? Uh... Oh, possibly. Yeah. And yes, indeed, to check that the weapons were equal and the duel was fair. And in some duels, the seconds would take the place of the primary dueler if the primary was not able to finish the duel. They hadn't gotten far enough along to determine that honor had been restored. Right. And the dude is, I can't fight anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I got that. Oh, God, that, that, that really stings. That's you not fight. Enough, not you enough fight. Blood. Bring the other guy in. I got to poke wow. him, too. Oh, that stings, man. You have to be a really good friend to step into somebody's second, then. It's the martial version of the best man. Best man used to have to marry the bride if the groom didn't I show up. I withdraw my offer, Kevin. This is, this is like hide the body kind of friend. Which you may have to do after, yeah, <laughs> because dueling wasn't exactly legal at all times. It was done, yeah. And indeed, sometimes uh, seconds did end up fighting each other. Oh, nice! Very WrestleMania style. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Joe, where is the field of honor? Where is the field? Wherever a man makes it, Torin. <laughs> what are some good criteria for a field of honor? Let me rephrase. <laughs> Uh, I think usually it's outside of town, because if I recall, a lot of the times it was illegal to duel inside the city, and so people would go out. That's why you'd see in movies, you'd see them out in the fields and stuff like that during right. dueling. Mm-hmm. If Hollywood has taught me anything, it's anywhere that has a low-lying fog. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They're both right. Flat, easily traveled to within walking distance of the town. Yep. Yeah. You know, if you were really smart, you'd pick a field of honor that had like a wall in the middle of it, and you'd stand on the other side of that wall. Go for holes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know where they are. 
It's your field. <laughs> oh, I see. Right. That would turn the duel into a whole like whack a mole. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. just pop oh. up. You're trying to hit each other with big stuffed mallets. No, I'm thinking more the other guy falls into one and trips. Right. He right. Twists his, his ankle. Oh, you just we call back to our booby traps episode and just yeah. line yeah. the thing with like tiger traps and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, some are isolated to avoid discovery and interruption by the authorities. Mm-hmm. Some are with jurisdictional ambiguity to avoid oh, legal consequences. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh-huh. Outside of town, yeah. So international yeah. waters, so to speak. <laughs> Islands in rivers dividing two jurisdictions were popular dueling sites. Oh, okay. That uh, Islands in the stream. Do, 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 do. Yep. We do well with each other. Uh-uh. Let's always stab in one another. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Uh, the cliffs between Weehawken on the Hudson River, where the Hamilton Bird duel occurred, were a popular field of honor for New York duelists because of the uncertainty whether New York or New Jersey jurisdiction applied. Mm-hmm. There was actually a place in New Orleans called the Dueling Oaks under a bunch of oak trees where they eventually started to build cafes to serve coffee to the spectators. There were oh, so nice. many duels. Oh. Yeah. It was like a fair. It was right. like a fair. It was like, yes, have a coffee, watch a guy get shot. <laughs> Again, nice. pre-internet, pre-movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. You know, it's, yeah. Makes yeah, perfect you sense. Gotta keep yourself entertained somehow. Kevin, when does the duel take place? High noon or at dawn? Joe, do you agree with that? Uh, I agree with high noon for uh, for uh, the gun duels. But the Wild West, there was a lot that, of high noon. That may be complete fabrication. Hollywood never lies uh, to us, Joe. <laughs> Old West aside, yeah, duels traditionally took place at dawn. Aha! Ah. When the poor light would make the participants less likely to be seen. Oh, okay. right. And to force an interval for reconsideration and sobering up. Oh, yeah, of course. We'll oh, see three you in the morning. morning. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. You insulted me. Oh, really? I'm sober now. I don't a feel like duel it. seems like a really good idea at midnight, but at uh, you know at six a.m. with that yeah. low lying fog, yeah. after you've like ran out of booze, you know, <laughs> a little liquid courage just worn off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that would put me at a severe disadvantage. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Me neither. Yeah, grumpy aristocrats who don't want to be up at that hour. And for some time before the mid-18th century, swordsmen dueling at dawn often carried lanterns to see each other. This happens so regularly. Lisa's making the pose here that you can't see, listeners. (laughs) This happens so regularly that fencing manuals integrated lanterns into their lessons. An example of this is using the lantern to parry blows and blind the opponent. Oh, and huh. the manuals sometimes show the combatants carrying the lantern in the left hand, wrapped behind the back, which is still one of the traditional positions for the offhand in modern fencing. Here's the thing. If it becomes okay to actually use the lantern to parry That's and blind That's just another people, weapon now. Yeah, so why don't you? Why wouldn't you just smash it over their head and light them on fire with lantern oil, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Flaming Honor. whale order is going to hurt. Yeah. You know? it's yeah. Like- That's going to make you unable to Honor, continue. Honor, Kevin. Honor, oh, right, because right. you see, the reason you don't do clever things to win fights is always honor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, that well, actually showing... makes more sense than some of the other reasons I've. Heard. Why don't you challenge him to a fight in that field and then have them fly napalm into it? <laughs> um, honor. Okay, all right. I guess I'm showing my honorable stripes right now, Joe. When is the duel concluded? Well, that depends on the terms of the duel. You could go to first blood, to first, I think, injury, which is a bit more than blood, or to the death, or when one yields. So it seems like a, it, it, there's a compact that is decided upon prior to execution of the duel. Well, I mean, the traditional ending would be until death or until someone is satisfied. Yeah, which right. is a consequence. Duels went on for a very long time. In some cases, like mm-hmm. 19 years. So, <laughs> yeah. but, I would get so, tired. So it's get just, tired after the first day. It's up to one guy to say, I'm yeah. satisfied? Yep. Yeah, at the choice of the offended party, 
Oh. The duel could be fought to a number of conclusions. Yeah, Kevin, some of us take a long time to get satisfied. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> to first blood, in which case the duel will be ended as soon as one man was wounded, mm-hmm. even if the wound was minor. So that's the one you pick if you're not 100% sure you're going to win. Yeah, cut yourself. I I would just cut myself. You win. Until one man was so severely wounded as to be physically unable to continue the duel. It's just a scratch. (laughs) It's only a flesh wound. What if I start like that? Because Uh I feel that I am physically (laughs) incapable of dueling. Yeah, when you're gibbering and peeing your pants, I guess that could qualify, right? It's not so much fear. I'm just like ridiculously out of shape and lazy. Mm. To the death, of course, is another option. Uh In the case of pistol duels, each party would fire one shot. If neither man was hit and if the challenger stated that he was satisfied, the duel would be declared over. Yeah, Providence had dictated that no one was to be injured that day. Well, and also, like, you're doing it to prove that you value, that you feel so strongly and you're willing to risk risk your your life. life. And then you do it and he does it and you're both fine. You've both made your statement. Nobody (laughs) needs to actually get shot. I get that. The actual sound that a gun makes, one of these flintlock pistols makes when it goes off, should have actually been, (laughs) whew. Yeah. <laughs> right. In 1897, Proust fought, fought the the author fought a battle over being called homosexual, and with pistols, it was bad form to not miss your opponent unless mm-hmm. the unless the uh, exceptionally grievous serious grievance. But with swords, combatants were honor bound to go on fighting until someone was hurt. Right. But at the same time, the pistols would be harder to ensure a miss too. Because oh, you not know, the pistols back then. Non, but non rifled, so you'd aim to the left, and it and they could, could go anywhere. That's right. true. Oh, yeah. and, bad luck on yeah, that one. That's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. Actually, that's could true. hit him accidentally. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could just shoot it over your head. I'm sure it's a lot right. like paintball guns, and I have seen some crazy paintball guns. Yeah, the physics would be similar. Actually. Maneuvers, yeah. Smooth bore, like around, round. almost around trees. I've seen paintballs if go. Only they'd had paintball guns in 18th century France. There would have been a lot. So many less deaths. Less deaths. I've had a paintball duel. Lost terribly. (laughs) Although it could be one shot, if the challenger was not satisfied, a pistol duel could continue until one man was wounded or killed. But to have more than three exchanges of fire was considered barbaric, and on the rare occasion that no hits were achieved, somewhat ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. You're just embarrassing yourself now. I mean, I guess it depends on how many paces. How do they decide how many paces you're at? I don't know. Again, compact, perhaps. O- often the uh, challenged party could make that determination. Right. So there were some very cl- Abraham Lincoln did some very clever stuff. The couple of times he was a challenged to duel. Why do you say a thousand paces? <laughs> a <laughs> no. million paces. He's six foot five. He was fighting a guy five foot nine. He said arm's length with swords. Uh, Dude couldn't yeah. even touch him. Uh. <laughs> Typically, the graver the insult, the fewer the paces agreed upon. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Under the latter conditions, one or both parties could intentionally miss in order to fulfill the conditions of the duel without loss of life or honor. However, doing so known as deloping. Mm, okay. Deloping. Could... I thought that, that seems to me like what happens when you stop running. <laughs> deloping? It's, it's yeah. the opposite of eloping. It's when right. you get divorced after eloping. <laughs> oh, you, I see. It's when, a it's when you couple, run away to get divorced. A married couple sneaks <laughs> yeah, nice, away. Nice. I like that. Ends their marriage. Doesn't really tell anybody. <laughs> uh, We're getting divorced in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> deloping could imply that your opponent was not worth shooting. Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. That's so then... leading to another duel yeah. because you insulted his honor. <laughs> yeah. This is a... Uh, A dual death spiral right here. The practice occurred despite being expressly banned by the Code Duello of 1777. Mm. Yes, that's right. Does that count as alliteration? Three sevens and one like that? Yes. Yes. I approve of that year. (laughs) Year (laughs) away. We'll put a link to the Code Duello of 1777 on Caustic Soda Podcast so you can read all the rules. Okay. So, Joe, when could a duel be refused? Oh. 
honorably, honorably oh, refused. Oh, honorably refused. Yeah. Uh, well, we've already mentioned, you know, under 15, uh, 60 and over, invalid. Woman. Uh, I don't know. This one I'm stumped on. Yeah, actually, I, would, I don't, honorably, I don't, know, that, I don't yeah. know. You could honorably decline. Oh, I got a wedding to get to that day. Yeah, previous commitment. Yeah, I don't feel like it. If you just say, I don't feel like it, you can get out of it. As we said, a major difference in age. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long was that super long duel? 16 19 years? 19 years. 19 years. I think 19 years. They met every every year or so. and uh, Whenever they, they kind of ran into each other about right. once a year and then fought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would get out of it if they had military obligations. And also, to a lesser extent, in cases of social inferiority on the part of the challenger. Oh, okay. you're if you're a peasant, my... yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A peasant can't challenge the king. A, yeah, a yeah. duke or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. That's so my you gotta, pop quiz. You gotta but work who gets your way to up? decide how f- if you're too far below his station? It's like boxing. you got to work your way up. you got to fight through the challengers, get known. you need to kill a couple of counts, then a duke, then a baron. I hope I'm getting those in the right order. <laughs> well, as author Bertram Wide Brown states, with social distinctions often difficult to measure, most men could not escape on such grounds without the appearance of cowardice. You have to have actual pig shit on your shoes. <laughs> there you go. For right. the dude to be able to the go, no, I'm not quotient. fighting you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about history uh lisa do you want to talk about hans talhofer oh hans talhofer is actually the reason why i was so uh desperately wanted to do this with you guys but uh german du- judicial dueling in like four- 13 1400s there's a problem with judicial dueling right because all it means is if you're a good duelist you can get away with anything so right. now what do you I, mean by judicial dueling? i am going to end this we are having a legal disagreement okay i am going to declare uh trial by combat we will fight, and right. whoever wins, God favored them. So they right. win their case. So they they were telling the truth. So, so this, we're ta- we're talking would, about like this would make you planted claims. a tree on my on my yeah. In my so yard. now we're gonna have a sword fight over it. Right. This and would make small claims court way more interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the problem with it was it, it it actually got to the point where good duelists were a hiring themselves out to whoever had the most money. Right. Oh, I've been brought up in court. Hey, you're you're you're. Vicious I call killer. this expert witness. Yeah, that, that, that dude back there with the rapier, six foot five dude with the rapier, and um, they they were just going around. They were committing rape and murder and theft because they could just oh trial by combat. Oh God favored me. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with the fact that you've done nothing but fight for twenty years. Yeah, right. They just had the option to choose trial by combat yeah. anytime they liked. The like, king of Burgundy drew on a pre-Christian precedent to declare a wager of battle as a recognized judicial proceeding in five hundred one Common Era. Okay. And, and that continued. So the idea was that in a one-in-one contest, God was cornered right. and had to prove who was telling the truth. Right. You could In a battle, maybe not so much. Too many people. Right. Losing duelists occasionally would lose a limb as well. Right, um, of course. So it's a dangerous profession. But Germans, being Germans, had... This was ex- in the 15th century. 15th century. Okay. 14, 1443, a guy named Hans Tallhofer essentially writes how not to die in a duel for dummies. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. You, you're a nobleman, Kevin. You've been challenged to a duel, but you've never fought. Well, thank Here, you very much, Lisa. Yes. I feel very noble these days. Joe has challenged you to a duel. Okay. You know he's, he's going to kick your ass. So it's like Machiavelli's prince for... Dueling. Yeah. Here are the things that you do. Well, the Germans had very codified rules. This is what this is the only kind of duel you can have between a peasant and someone of nobility. You can have this kind of duel between nobility and lesser nobility. They had a rule for everything, including what happens when a woman's dueling a man. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. so But as we all know from history, the You can't the, give a chick a sword. What's women she are do? inferior. Yeah, right. what's she gonna do with so that? So shouldn't we have to give some kind of a handicap to right. the men? Okay, but can you imagine this bunch of like German burgers in like fourteen forty sitting around trying to figure out these rules mm, german burgers <laughs> oh, mm. and these were usually in cases where either it was a dispute between the man and his wife 
because the man would normally be her her champion. Right. Or in cases of rape where no one would defend her. Right. Because they thought she really was unchaste or whatever. Or she was asking for it. She's asking for it, yeah. Right. You know, the, the widow down the lane, that hot widow, he's saying that, you know, Hans over there raped her. A guy could rape a woman. Yeah. She could say, hey, he raped me. And he could say, I challenge trial by combat. Bat. Yes. Expecting either her son or her husband would defend her. This is not insult to injury. This is injury to injury. Yeah, I mm. mean, it's, it's appalling. But yeah. in the cases that a woman would say, hey... Screw you. I'm fighting you. Right. This is oh, what okay. they would do. All right. I they'd, like these brassy ladies. They'd bury the man up to his waist in the ground and give him either a mace or a large stick, possibly with a nail in it. I don't know. Okay, right. yeah. And they would sew both of them into one-piece outfits for modesty. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sew them in. Yeah. It would become your shroud if you died. Yeah. Oh, right. And they'd nice. give the woman, I love this, a sack with a rock in it. Yeah. Okay, so he had a mace or a stick, and she had a sack with yeah. a rock. The same a, length. A fist-sized rock yeah. with, uh, wrapped in cloth. Wrapped in cloth. And the cloth and the, and the mace had to be the same length. Okay. So that was the duel. She's got a sack and a rock. And he's got, he's a, got a big stick. Right. So I just fell got... off of my chair at a, at a conference <laughs> the first time. I was laughing so hard. So it's basically just a game of, I'm oh. trying to cave your skull in, yeah. and I'm trying to block it. Talhofer and a few other people have written, wrote treaties on, if you're the woman, here's how you fight. If you're the guy, here's how you fight. Right. The couple of times it was recorded happening, at least once the woman won, how, and this is my little pop quiz, if you're that woman, what's your, what's your strategy? Uh, as far as trying to smash his head in with a rock, yeah. run around behind. He's buried up to his waist, so okay, yeah, he's that's not gonna be able to twist very that's easily. That's one. There you go. Can you throw your rock? Well, obviously you would, and this is how she won. You take the rock out of the sack, you throw it at him. When he's stunned, you strangle him with the sack. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. that is the recorded win. The recorded win was she took the rock so, out of the sack, hucked it at him, strangled him with the sack. So you were not required to leave the rock, <laughs> rock in, the in the sack. sack. No. Uh. Strangled him with the sack, yeah. It's unclear whether that was to the death or whether he was just unconscious. And it's unclear whether the ones where the woman lost, whether it was to the death or whether it was just, she's down. It would be very hard to kill somebody with a big stick when you're buried up to your waist. Because if you hit her, if she fell away from you, it would be over. If you look at the illustrations, they actually show the man wrapping uh, the cloth around his stick. Like She'd swing it, and he'd reach up and catch it, and then pull her into him. Right, we have a number of illustrations. Uh, We actually have a link to this entire uh, website with all the pictures on it, but there are some great pictures. So definitely go to causticsodapodcast.com and check that out. Now, there are conflicting opinions about, about what conditions constitute a victory in male-female judicial duel. According to one source, during these duels, if a participant's weapon or hand touched the ground three times, he or she was declared defeated. Oh, so that's how they got the whole one, two, three in professional wrestling. Oh, maybe, Probably, yeah. 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 (laughs) Other sources tell that in order to win such a duel, a participant had to kill or mutilate an opponent. The third opinion states that a woman had to drag her male opponent out of the hole and the man had to drag her into it. Oh. So I guess in which cases it was less being buried and just having just having to just stay in a hole. staying in right. the hole, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Burying someone up to their waist, the whole thing during a fight actually comes up again in France when a French knight slew his friend and buried him in the woods. The slain knight's dog started to bark and attack the other knight whenever he saw him. They eventually brought the other knight to trial. The greyhound was allowed to testify <laughs> by barking at the dude. Let the record show that the dog barked in the direction of Mr. Smith. <laughs> he challenged the dog to a duel. Uh-oh. 
where they buried him up to his waist oh, in no. the ground and gave him a sword. The dog won. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. down, yeah. Why not? The dog won the duel, and I believe he was executed was it... for murdering his friend. So it was a girl dog? It was actually a male. It was a very large male greyhound named Verbo. Well, you know, I mean, I guess... Women and dogs were kind of the same social stature. Yeah, so you yeah, I believe same. that would be a. There would be a. Yeah, yeah, I think there was a social correlation yeah. there. Regretfully, yeah. yes. Your your dog was in, in some your families. Your hawk, your ho- horse, your hound, and your chick. Yeah, yeah. In some families, your dog was probably more important than your probably wife. Probably worth more than your wife. Yeah. yeah, Joe, you can always get another wife. A good dog is irreplaceable. <laughs> what about my favorite dog wife? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Dress her up in whatever clothes I like. Uh huh. There's at least one French duel over insults, insults exchanged to the combatants' grandfathers. So these are the grandsons fighting over an insult from the grandfathers. Oh, I We're see. not only the seconds, but the thirds, and that eventually the king's messenger sent to stop the fight got into the fight. Oh, nice. Oh, good times. <laughs> it's just a bloodbath. But wait, yeah. didn't they ever hear the term, don't kill the messenger? Yeah, messenger jumped in. He was like so, he wanted to get in so bad. Oh, yeah. wow. That was a good fight. They were scrappers. <laughs> yeah. For most of history, uh, judicial dueling was allowed and then disallowed, and then the church said it was okay, and then the church said it wasn't. and then So it's like it went back and forth, and it was actually on the books in Britain until 1819. 1644 England, Geoffrey Hudson versus Charles Crofts. All right. Geoffrey Hudson, a dwarf. Little person. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, they called him dwarf back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we're not back then anymore. Entered royal service by emerging from a large pie had a party for Charles I. Oh, you know what? So this is an early Game of Thrones episode. I've, okay. I've actually heard of this guy. This guy was awesome. He belonged to the Duke of Buckingham. Belonged. Yep. Yep. But Henrietta Maria was so enchanted by the little man that she insisted he join the court. I insist you be sold to us. Mm-hmm. Guess what she called him? Oh. It begins, it begins with Lord. Yeah. Oh, it's like Lord Tiny or something. Lord Minimus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Charles made him a captain in the Royal Army. While Hudson was naturally the butt of many jokes, he was a proud man. Mm-hmm. One day, a young officer, William Crofts, went too far and teased him for coming off worst in a fight with a turkey cock. So, but him against a turkey, or he had a turkey fighting a turkey? I don't have the details as to how one comes off worse in May- a turkey. I'm going to guess it was him against a turkey. I'm thinking it was him against a turkey. Turkeys are mean and big. May- yeah, hey, I would come off worse yeah. in a t- fight, duel with a turkey, a turkey. Maybe he was just making fun of the fact that he couldn't finish his turkey dinner. Oh, maybe. Because he was such a tiny stomach. That's right. And it was the one specific part of a turkey yeah. that he just <laughs> couldn't cock. finish That's eating. Right. The turkey really. cock. It fin- finish your turkey cock. Come on, dude. I'm full. Hudson challenged Crofts to a duel with pistols on horseback. Pistols on horseback? That has got to make it even harder to strike true. This was a shrewd move, for Crofts was fat and slow on a horse. Hudson, however, only 18 inches tall, presented a much tougher moving target. It's a minus two to hit. Yeah. Yeah, at least. (laughs) Thus, the dwarf escaped injury while his opponent was dead through the heart. That is a good shot from horseback to horseback. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Nice work. Unless unless he rode right up to like a foot away from him and then shot him. Maybe he leapt onto the other guy's horse. (laughs) Sorry, the other guy shot, completely missed, and he just rode up casually and shot him. In the chest. Yeah, and he, and he was too fat to ride away. Idiot. <laughs> Bang. Now, Croft's death was a disaster for Hudson. Dueling had been outlawed in France, and this could be considered Uh-oh. a transgression against hospitality. Mm-hmm. Besides, Croft's was the Queen's master of horse and head of her lifeguard. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. 
She asked permission of the French to administer justice and expelled Hudson from her court. Oh, the end of Lord Minimus. You're like literally as as terrible as it is that he's owned by people. Yeah. Like this is probably one of the best lives he could hope for back then, you know, yeah. being kept by royalty. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes and screws it up by being a badass. <laughs> and then he was exiled, captured by Barbary pirates, and spent the next 25 years in prison in North Africa. Oh, God. <laughs> sad, sad story. Uh, That's really not going to be a good life. The but thing in, is, here's but in the, the end, he escaped and retired to his native Rutland, where they still drink a beer named in his honor. That doesn't surprise me. It's not like when you're 18 inches tall, it wouldn't be that hard to escape. I mean, you just slip yeah. right through the bars, right? <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, you just as soon as they turn their back, the problem is they kept their eyes on him for 25 years. They turn their back for five seconds. Boom, he's on, He's gonzo. And it's odd that you'd say he's gonzo because he's very short and is involved with turkeys. <laughs> Oh, well, chicken's for Gonzo, uh-huh. but we... But Gonzo Poultry. looks like a turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gonzo was a turkey. Sort of. No, well, he was an alien. Didn't you see a... Muppets in Space? I didn't. Oh, well, that's uh, your loss, my friend. <laughs> Apparently, women dueling was not uncommon. Women usually didn't fight over honor. They fought over being angry at each other. Hold on a sec. Mm-hmm. So we're talking now about women dueling against other women. women. Other right, women okay. fought because they were angry at each other, not over honor. So they didn't both have to be put in a hole. No. There right. was no, yeah, there okay. were no holes. They actually used, the first duel uh, they recorded. They both have to be put in holes. holes. Yes, yeah, exactly, right? You know? <laughs> what do we do? We have to stick both of them in. They can't reach each other. <laughs> I know, I'm just, I'm trying to get the lay of the land here. I'm trying to figure <laughs> so, out what, the rules. Uh, 15 paces, yeah. dig your own hole. <laughs> Here's <laughs> yeah. a shovel, and then hit them with a the shovel. And then throw rocks. Uh, so in 1792, there was a recorded duel between uh, two females, uh, Lady Alamera Braddock and Mrs. Elphinstone crossed small swords. They fought over the difference of opinion as to somebody's age. So you call right. the older than I was. So in 1892. Wait, hold on a sec. One lady he said you're an old hag or she said oh oh what birthday is it are you 29 she's like incensed i challenge you to a duel pretty much all right okay in in 1892 in verduz i'm pronouncing this incorrectly in Liechtenstein, princess pauline metternich and countess klemenseg fought a duel where everybody involved was female including the seconds and the doctor there was a baroness lubinska who had a medical degree whoa this is women's lib right it totally, here. It's actually called the first emancipated duel. Wow. The Baroness said, by the way, almost all wounds mortify because cloth has forced it to the wound from the sword point. Why don't you fight naked from the waist up? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Now this has turned into like the first version of jello wrestling. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, so they stripped from the waist up. They were in a, they were there was no one women around. It was OK. It they was like topless sword fighting. Topless sword fighting. The princess slashed the countess's nose. I can't decide if this is exciting or horrifying. <laughs> like somebody's well, going to... There are people gonna, who think it's exciting. Trust me, there are many illustrations. So I, <laughs> yeah, I'll bet there are. Somebody's going to lose a nipple or something. Like, Well, what actually happened was the princess slashed the countess's nose in a, with a wild motion, became so dis- distraught at the sight of blood, she threw her hands up in the air. The countess lunged, pierced her through the forearm, at which point the seconds both fainted from the sight of blood. Oh. At this point, the male footman nearby ran over to assist, and the baroness, deciding that no, they weren't coming to assist, they were coming to ogle, drove them from the room in rage. Oh, nice. Oh. Wow. Metternich won, first blood. Right. And right. it was over. I love this. They were disagreeing about the floral arrangements for an upcoming musical exhibition. Oh, there you go. Oh, so it's like, I want peonies. I want roses. Lilacs. Yes. And then whoever wins the duel, they get to use their flower. Yes, exactly. For the exhibition. <laughs> I know. And so one woman is slashed across the nose and the other woman is pierced through the Your forearm. Forearm. Yeah. And everyone else fainted. You know what the good thing about the, <laughs> the good thing about the piercing in the forearm, you know, gives her like she could actually put one of her favorite flowers in it. Also on the topic of naked dueling. 
Oh, wow. There's more than one? A little bonus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Humphrey Howarth. Bone us. Yeah. The MP for Eversham, England, was attending the races at Brighton in 1806 and fell into a quarrel with the Earl of Barrymore. Mm. They arranged to meet on the race course early next morning. Barrymore was astonished as his opponent took off his clothes and presented himself on the dueling ground armed solely with pistols and underpants. That was a bold move. The seconds and other witnesses burst out laughing, not least because Howarth was by then a fat old man. Well, here's the thing. I mean, this is actually a pretty smart tactic. The other mm-hmm. guy's going to be laughing so hard. He's not yeah, going to be able to like take dueling, it. Yeah, this is like crazy. Yeah. He's too crazy to kill. Yeah, this is this is like uh, getting into prison and like, you know, doing something nutty on the first day so no one f- screws with you. Also, your armor is not going to give you any damage resistance against firearms, but right. it might actually make you easier to hit, as we know from role-playing games. But Hoarth had spent so much of his earlier life as an army surgeon for the East India Company, so he knew gunshot wounds were often infected by the dirty clothing that preceded a bullet into flesh. He could have oh. washed his clothes. I guess so. <laughs> what well, so. <laughs> doing Rather laundry than, it might be know. easier just to st- take them <laughs> Probably off. Probably yeah. in sounds, those days, yeah. It sounds like he liked doing laundry about as much as you do, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> in the end, his precaution was redundant. Both he and his opponent missed their targets and resolved their dispute without bloodshed. All right. Okay. So he got naked for nothing. Did well? Did they have well, to do a second duel for the laughter at his nakedness? Yeah, Paris, early 1800s, Captain Raoul de Vere versus Colonel Barbier Dufay. Oh, they got great names. Yep. Barbier Dufay insulted Raoul's hat pin, Ooh. and a duel with rapiers was the result. What? Ooh. That's just reaching now. Wow. Like, that's just... This is the uh, yeah the French version of, uh, I don't like your face. This is just, it's I want to like, fight uh, him. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, d- much. D- d- I don't like your uh, d- uh, hat pin. Yeah. Your hat pin sucks, thing. man. Well, Barbier Dufay had like stepped on his toes and scuffed his feet and everything, and he got no response. So only yeah. when he insulted the hat pin yeah, was uh, the challenge. Exactly. The challenge come forth. Only a blackguard would wear such a hat pin. <laughs> I demand honor, you rascal! <laughs> My mother gave me this hat pin. <laughs> Four times over, the colonel disarmed Raoul, sending his rapier spinning out of his hand. Finally, losing patience with this unequal fight, the colonel suggested they use a carriage as a mobile dueling ground for a fight to the death. Oh, snap. Okay. So wait a sec. So he was winning too much. (laughs) (laughs) So he's winning too much. So then he decided, okay, let's, in order to even the ground, we'll fight in a moving carriage so that I will now be on equal footing Here is my proposal. Oh, okay. We will enter that coach, each armed with a poniard. A dagger. Mm Mm-hmm. This gentleman will tie us together, only leaving free our right arms. Oh, my God. Thus, there will be no means of escape. This is the French dueling version of Beat It. The doors of the coach shall be closed, and at a given signal, the coach will set off and go twice around the Place du Carousel. All right, twice around. Twice around. Figures that's enough to kill a man. The young captain agreed. Many cries were heard from within. At the end of the two rounds, the seconds jumped down from the coach and opened the door. Raoul was dead, and Dufay also seemed dead, but Raoul had given his poniard four times through the colonel's chest and had hacked the lower part of his person with his teeth. Oh, snap. Hacked. It's, when they say lower part of his person, generally I'm thinking that they're Geni- being... T- talking about genitalia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. his teeth. With yeah. his teeth. Yeah, a little teeth hacking. Okay. Also known as biting. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one I have, somewhere in Europe, 1500s, Baron Eberhard versus the Spaniard. Ooh. Mm. Two gentlemen, one a Spaniard and the other a German. <laughs> one, one, there was a dead giveaway in the name. Yeah, the yeah I think there was a Spaniard involved, uh-huh. yeah. 
who had been recommended by their birth and services to the Emperor Maximilian II, both fell in love with and paid court to the fair emperor's daughter, whom each sought in marriage. Maximilian one day informed the two lovers that, esteeming them equally and not being able to bestow a preference, he should leave it to the force and address of the claimants to decide the question. He did not mean, however, to risk the loss of one or the other, or perhaps of both. Uh-huh. and could not therefore permit them to encounter with offensive weapons. All right. <laughs> but had ordered a large bag to be produced. Full of pies. And Pie had, fight. And had decreed that whichever succeeded in putting this rival into this bag, uh-huh. putting his rival into this bag, should obtain the hand of his daughter. <laughs> you got to force another dude in into a, a bag. In a so who, this is what Duel Bugs... Dual bags. The king was actually Bugs Bunny in disguise? No, I'm maybe. Thinking? Yeah. The two gentlemen expressed their willingness to engage in even so ridiculous a contest for so superior a prize. Well, here's the question. Here's the yes. question. Would this count as a duel? Like, would this actually be considered illegal under the law? Under the is it a deadly weapon? Is a bag yeah. a deadly weapon? I don't know. I don't you could suffocate a guy. You could strangle him with it. Mm-hmm. You know what? If, if I had two buddies who wanted to fight over something and this was the way they'd do it, I would let them do it. Maybe it was a dry cleaner bag, and you know they say right on the bag those are dangerous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, it was plastic. <laughs> yeah, like it suffocated. So one yeah. up from this is trying to lock him in a refrigerator. Yeah, nah, your, yeah, your job as the second is to poke holes in the bag. Oh, there you go. There Perfect. Go. Yeah, uh, they fought in the presence of the whole court. The contest lasting more than an hour, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Because forcing another dude in a Can bag. Can you imagine? Yeah. You know what? This is just a feat of endurance. It's like whoever gets tired faster. Or if you get lucky and knock him out. But yeah. 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 The Spaniard finally yielding, having been put fairly into the bag by the German, <laughs> Baron Eberhard, who took it and his Castilian contents upon his back and very gallantly laid them at the feet of the young lady to whom he was married the following I'm day. I'm also noticing the woman didn't get any choice in this one. Oh, Maybe no, asking no, no, her to pick no. one might have been a faster and simpler you, way. You know what, you know what the, big, the big tell was in the title of this duel was that the Spaniard didn't have a name. Yeah, so, I think he didn't marry the princess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the giveaway that we kind of knew who was going to win. Yeah. True. Yeah. 1843 France, Melfont versus L'Enfant. Okay, Melfont versus L'Enfant. Mm-hmm. Two young men uh, quarreled while playing at billiards. Okay. And All agreed right. at last to settle their disturbance by a duel with billiard balls. Oh, I was totally going to guess that as a joke. That's awesome. <laughs> After which they drew lots to see which one should get the red ball and throw first. Mm-hmm. Melfont won the red ball and the first throw, and the two at once took their positions in a garden at a measured distance of 12 paces from each other. Okay. That's really close for, like, hucking billiard balls at the other dude's head. Malfont, when the signal was given to throw, made several motions, saying to his adversary, I'm going to kill you with the first blow. Oh, wow. This is like uh, Babe Ruth calling the shot, right? And then he hurled the ivory sphere with deadly aim and effect, for it struck L'Enfant in the middle of the forehead, and he dropped dead without uttering a word. I wonder if in, the, if in this duel it was considered gauche to duck. Mm. Right? You're like, mm. you can't move. You got to just stand there and take it. I would just, think that if you ducked, you'd just. That would coward. be dishonorable, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. unfortunately you're not allowed. Yeah. yeah I think ducking's whole, out. The whole point is to show that you are brave and tough and you don't, think, that of, you're, yeah. you don't think your opponent can do it. This would be the hardest thing in the world to do to stand there while <laughs> well, a guy's winding shot, up with yeah. a billiard ball yeah. and not move. I'd have to close my eyes. It's lethal chicken with billiard balls. Yeah. You'd have yeah. to close your eye. Like, your eyes. There's no way you could keep your eyes open. That and would not look even more cowardly. God, like, watch even more, but it was still a Can you imagine, like, staring down the pipe and just 
seeing a Shoop. billiard ball coming at you at a hundred miles an hour, you're like, oh shit, he's going to do it. It would just appear to stand still, but get bigger. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So killed him with the first shot? Killed him with the first shot. The survivor was arrested and tried for willful murder and convicted of man's laughter. Mm-hmm. Man's laughter. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do La Maupin? Julie Dabney, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I think it's Dabney or Dabney. Known as La Maupin or Mademoiselle La Maupin, uh, 1670 to 1707. Uh, she was the daughter of the secretary of the Count of Armagnac. Ooh. The daughter of the, the secretary, secretary of to the, the Count, Count of, of Armagnac. Armagnac. Okay, I got her it. Her father was a noted hedonist and swordsman. Uh, her mother's, out of the picture, I presume, died in childbirth, as so many women did. Do hedonism and swordsmanship go hand in hand? Do I they have th- to be the same thing? They don't, but in this case, I think... Because <laughs> you kind of like, you strung them together like it was like... Hedonist and swordsman. It's like probably was, relevant to his of... fathering, his parenting techniques, given okay. given her life. At the age of 16, she became um, Darmanac's lover. Um, they married her off to a guy who then just left because he's like, I can't control her. Uh-huh. She fled to Paris when she was 18 and took up with a fencing master. He killed a man in a duel. They had to flee to Marseille. She took up supporting them by fighting dressed as a man oh, in exhibitions. Right. When she was taunted that she was no lady, she ripped open her shirt so that all could determine the question for themselves. Oh, right. oh in, a, in an era before fake boobs. Yeah. Right? She winds up taking up affairs with men and women and sure. re- regretfully um, winds up kid- kidnapping a young lady and ravishing her for several months. Oh. From a convent. Yes, kidnaps her from a convent and spends several months ravishing her. The lady then returns to her family. She started out super awesome. Some, and becoming, then, yeah, it gets, she, it gets a bit rapey there She's in the becoming middle. less awesome yeah. as time is wearing on. Yeah. Maybe all the fighting. Maybe she took a pool cue to the head. And it's, you know what? Like, it's, not, it's not like she's kidnapped, but it's not like she stayed voluntarily after that. So it's not right, really like... That being said, right. I'm not trying to like reduce the icky sexual assault aspect of it. She's Although it may have been like kind of the after the fact is like, oh, you left the convent with this woman and you hung out with her. And, oh, she uh, kidnapped me. Yeah, it's a, it's a kidnapping. Yeah. Well, she did choice. eventually return to her family. Lama Pan is condemned under a male title to conceal the affair uh, to death. She then flees to Paris, uh, fights her first duel. She fights multiple duels with actors from the Paris Academy. Uh, he refuses to wait, fight her. Wait, wait. Do these actors know they were in a duel, or do they think they're just in a scene from Hamlet or something? <laughs> yeah, like this chick is just, There's two dudes on stage sword fighting, and she just jumps to the middle. Like, All right, let's fight. Stab, 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 stab. You never know, right? <laughs> well, they, they must have known to the extent where the most of them would refuse to fight her. Oh, I see. She, uh, yeah, because a raving madwoman waving a sword around going, I'm killing everybody. I'm she on would a killing then, machine. She would usually then like beat them up. Up and take their stuff. Right. Yeah. Kick him in the junk and take his wallet. She's starting to sound more like a pirate every yes. single second here of her story. Uh, but she was invited to court by the bisexual Duke d'Orlan, who dressed and dressed as a man, wound up dancing with women, and she kissed one woman who summoned three male protectors. All of which fought her outside in the street. She beat all of them. Yeah. Went back inside, told the Duke, by the way, I just kicked these guys' butts. They're outside bleeding. You might want to get them a doctor. Uh-huh. Was arrested for dueling and pardoned on the spot by the king who liked her. She, uh, She's w- got the charisma. She, withdrew, she, she withdrew to Brussels, became the lover of the elector of Bavaria, got bored, camped to Spain, became the lover of everyone she met. I am really torn on this woman. Yeah. Like, she is, uh, uh, like, for every seemingly awesome thing she does, she does a seemingly awful Horrible thing. thing. Exactly. Yeah. I, sociopathy, it's not just for men. Or she's a Highlander. Entirely possible. Uh, she sang for the Paris Opera from 1690 to 1705 and then suddenly entered a convent and died two years later. Or did, did she? she? Either that or I'm thinking possibly that may have been sexually uh, transmitted disease time. Right. Yeah. She, um, she got defeated by Mother Superior who said, they don't call me a nun because I'm a holy woman. 
that's how many people beat me in duels. Oh. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, she was described afterwards by most of the people she was with as beautiful, valiant, generous, and superbly unchaste. Mm-hmm. Superbly certainly, unchaste. Certainly, yes. she's got unchaste written all over her. In the news, 1808. Hey, Dana, um, that that's in the news. I think that would be former news, honey. Oh, <laughs> formerly news. <laughs> Paris, Monsieur de Grand Pre and Monsieur de Pique. Uh, I'm going to read from the contemporary news item. Okay. In cartoony French. It's my favorite kind. A very novel species of duel has lately taken place at Paris. Monsieur Grand Prix and Monsieur Le Pique. Having quarreled about Mademoiselle Tiravi, a celebrated opera dancer, who has kept by the former but had been discovered in an intrigue oh. avec the latter, <laughs> a challenge ensued. <laughs> Being both men of elevated minds, they agreed to fight in ballon. Balloons. Balloons. <laughs> nice. Wait, okay, so they're going to go up in hot air balloons. And Wait. All right. Okay. Lay it on me. B- balloons, plural? We. They each had one. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is a balloon duel. This is awesome. <laughs> Only the French would have a balloon duel. Accordingly, on May uh, 3, the party met in a field where, uh, where their respective ballons were ready to receive them. Each attended by his second. It would be awesome if they had like little mini cannons. They were shooting broadsides at each other. Oh, stand by. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ascended his car loaded avec blunderbusses. Oh, yeah! They did have little Les mini cannons. Blunderbusses. <laughs> okay. So the idea then is to maybe pop the other guy's balloon, is that... As pistols could not be expected to be efficient on their probable situation. Okay. <laughs> You couldn't hit the broadside of, of a, a balloon, balloon with a blunderbuss. <laughs> that was the I insult. I I can. That was the insult that got this whole thing started. <laughs> Un multitude attended, uh, earring of the balloons, but little dreaming of the purpose. <laughs> the prison merely looked for the novelty of le balloon race. I had a feeling that one of these two guys had thought this up years earlier and was just brimming for an excuse. <laughs> he was just like, holding this yeah. one oh, in. Yeah. I'm to like, pull oh, out. someday somebody. It's like, I got a balloon in my garage and I'm ready to use it. That or the guy was like really didn't want to duel. And he's like, as the challenge, you get to choose the weapons. I choose balloons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From 5,000 paces. And a strong headwind. At uh, Noof o'clock. That's when uh, Newfoundland wakes up. Mm-hmm. Mm, Noof o'clock. The cords were cut, and the balloon ascended majestically amid the shouts of the spectators. <laughs> the wind was moderate, and they kept as far as could be judged within about 80 yards of each other. Okay, <laughs> all right, that's that's far. Then they had mounted to a height of about 900 yards. Monsieur Le Pic fired his piece ineffectually. Well, 900 yards, I mean, that's like... Like 900 meters. Like, that's almost a kilometer in the air. That's freaking high. Almost immediately après, the fire was returned by Monsieur Grand Prix and penetrated his adversary's balloon, the consequence of which was its rapid descent. I okay. told you I could hit the broadside of a balloon with a blunderbuss. <laughs> Damn you! But you didn't believe me, no! <laughs> Look who's going down very quickly now, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And Monsieur Le Pic and his second were both dashed to pieces on the housetop over which the balloon fell. Oh man, bad luck on whoever's house that was. Yeah, I right? know. You know, like talking about saluting it. Drinking dead some guys. wine, eating some cheese, all of a sudden two dudes crashed yeah. through your room. Santa! About- <laughs> oh. uh, talk about innocent victim here. Yeah. Like the victorious Grand Prix then mounted aloft in the grand style and descended safe with his second about set leagues from the spot of Ascension. Maybe one of them had like a phonograph and they wound it and they, like victory music played. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, no, Ride of the Valkyries, right? I love the smell of blunderbuss in the morning. I love the smell of helium in the morning. Oh, wait, it's odorless. Wouldn't be helium, would have been hot air. June 2013, more recent news. Wizards of the Coast announced that the main event at Grand Prix Las Vegas will be limited to 4,500 Magic the Gathering magic players. Magic isn't real, Torrin. <laughs> what? Wizard, you're talking about wizards and magic. More than 4,000 people have already pre-registered, and the online registration will be limited to 4,400 players or close at 9 p.m. tonight. Blah, 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 blah. This is just a silly lead-in to pop culture. Specifically, hey, Magic the Gathering. Okay. It's, it's a duel. It's a dueling game. It is. Mm-hmm. It is a dueling game uh, where two wizards or planeswalkers. Yeah. There's now planeswalker yeah, cards planeswalkers you can get. Planeswalkers is a card that you can get. Yep. 
and you... I haven't played them, but they've been briefly described to me. They've to... got special abilities and stuff. But you had played Magic in the olden days. Oh, lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no. do play a little bit these days, but just very casually. I have right. never played it. Well, I have I have Black Border 2nd Edition. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Whoa. I missed 1st Edition by two months. I don't know what that means, but it sounds it super nerdy. It means it's earlier. Okay. It was created by Richard Garfield and introduced in 1993 by Wait, Wizards the of the Coast. The cat? Yes, Richard well, Garfield. Lawns, Leon, Gar- Garfield's eating... son, Richard Garfield. Oh, right. He's eating Got lasagna. It. Became immensely popular. And the mag, so much so that it had a whole monthly magazine dedicated to it called The Duelist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, hearing about when Magic the Gathering first showed up, and because at the time when you won a game, you would win a card from the other guy's deck. Oh, it snap. It became cutthroat. There was trading going on, and Wizards of the Coast went from being this tiny little company doing nothing to having a major blockbuster on their yeah. hands in, in an afternoon. Like, right. And they eventually bought Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Right. TSR. Yeah. I, I, I had to stop playing when I couldn't compete with the guys who could spend their entire like, yeah, I because in the to, early like, days, whoever had the most money. Cards, yeah. You guys yeah. with Adidas <laughs> bags full of cards, I couldn't compete anymore. I stopped playing uh, Magic the Gathering competitively when I found out that the high-level Magic the Gathering players were all jerks. Yes, that's <laughs> the other reason. Yeah. I was very good at Magic the Gathering. It, it really sets off my game-playing thing, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm very good at the strategic. Uh, the strategic moves and stuff like that. Yeah, and the, and the I, linking of cards. Yeah, and, and I went to a uh, tournament at actually at Wizards of the Coast headquarters down in Renton, uh, Washington, and plowed my way through all of my opponents, most of whom were like really cool and fun and friendly. And then as I got to the finals, everybody just became a massive prick. Oh, the stakes are so high. You got to have your serious game face on. <laughs> they, were, they were high for me, but I just recognized that I was playing a goddamn game. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I lost in the finals to what people will recognize if they play the game as mana screw. I just couldn't get the lands right. out in order to cast my spells. Uh, just bad luck two games in a row and lost and got second place. Well, you can win and a lot of money if you win a magic tournament. You win like thousands of dollars. This was early on. I won yeah. 50 bucks for second place. It oh, wasn't a huge uh, tournament or anything like that. But the, the buddies of the guy that beat me were just mocking me right. viciously yeah. for bad luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like after I lost, they were complete assholes. <laughs> and that was basically the end of me playing Magic the Gathering yeah. uh, for anything except for just with friends. Well, we and, used to play when we went on tour. Oh, yeah, really? Me and the rest of the Darkest of the uh-huh. Hillside Thickets. Oh, yeah. We would just play in the tour van in the right. back. But uh, I got rid of all my cards, but I kept my black because black was always my color. Yeah. And then I decided a few months ago, oh, I should just get rid of these black cards because I never play them or whatever. So I put a post on Facebook. And then suddenly, all these magic people who I know said, I've got magic cards. And I'm like, oh, you play magic? Yeah, I play magic like every week, whatever. So now we've got like seven people at work playing Magic the Gathering at lunchtime a few times a week. You tried to give your cards away. And now I've got way more. And now he's playing them again. And it actually like pulled you every time you think you're out. It pulls you back in. It's like asbestos. If you just not stirred it up, it wouldn't have infected you. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. If you'd have just left well enough alone, you'd have been okay. Or or heroin, you know. Yeah. He yeah, sees it and he's like, "Yeah, I should get rid of all this stuff." But I, uh, it's like an alcoholic saying, "I can go into a bar. I haven't had a drink in ten years." Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty much exactly. It. <laughs> hey guys, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> My girlfriend calls it magic. The hoarding. Oh uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And I re- recently found a podcast called Magic: The Gathering Drive to Work. One of the head designers, Mark Rosewater, oh, gets he- into his car in the morning, oh. turns on his phone or whatever. And on his drive to work to to Wizards the Coast headquarters, <laughs> records a podcast where he just talks about a set he's worked on or strategies and other insights into the game design and stuff like that. Mark Rosewater knows that game better than almost anybody. No, there he you is go. like a ama- like yeah. 
He's known as Maro, actually. There's a character in Magic called Maro oh. that is named after Mark Rosewater. I didn't know and that. Oh, okay. And he was mentioning that the reason that they made Planeswalkers mm-hmm. was because they were trying to sell a Magic the Gathering movie to various studios. And all the studios said, well, who's your Mickey Mouse? Who's your who's iconic your, character? Who's your iconic character? Yeah. yeah. So that's why they made these Planeswalker characters. Not that they ever made a Magic the Gathering movie, but I thought that was interesting. It's exactly the same problem with Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Uh, well, I can talk about uh, one of my favorite dueling movies of all time, mm-hmm. The Quick and the Dead. Oh, it's such a good okay. film. This is one of the very few examples that I can think of off the top of my head of a movie that I absolutely love that has been almost universally torched by uh, every critic and a movie website. But, but Kevin, they're wrong. Sam Raimi directed. Okay. And when was yeah. it made? It was made in 1995, starring Gene Hackman, a young, unknown Leonardo DiCaprio, okay. Russell Crowe. It's, Sharon... it's his first, Russell Crowe's first North American movie. Hmm. And it's about dueling. <laughs> yeah, it's about making necklaces. They use very small hammers a lot. No, it's a uh, Gene Hackman runs this small town with an iron fist in the lawless frontier west. And every year he has a tournament. In which uh, uh, gunfighters show up, and it's a uh, single elimination tournament, bracket style, until you get down to the finals, in which case you have to fight him. So it's not uh, so much for honor in this case. No, it's for money. Prize money. All right. Mm. And uh, in this particular tournament, because the townsfolk don't want to be ruled viciously and with an iron fist any longer, they hire an outside gunslinger to come in and hopefully win the tournament and kill Gene Hackman. Oh, Lance Henriksen's in this, too. Yeah, I I blank Lance Henriksen out of my mind because he's such a colossal tool. And Sharon Stone shows up to exact revenge because Gene Hackman, when he was an outlaw, killed her father. Oh, okay. And Russell Crowe used to be in Gene Hackman's gang, and he left to become a priest. And so Gene Hackman kidnaps him and forces him to uh, take part in the tournament in an effort to get him killed in just some sort of petty revenge plot. How do you force someone to take part in a tournament? Uh, you give him a gun with one bullet in it, and you stand him on the middle of the street and say, hey, if you don't shoot this guy, he's going to shoot you. It's got the wonderful twist on the um, on the trope of the unnamed gunslinger coming into town to exact justice as a woman. You know? Played by and Shannon she's never Stone. named. Classic Sam Raimi. It's super stylized. There are right. these like Dutch shots. Like it's The way he shoots it is just torn from the pages of Evil Dead 2. Like, it's just so well done. I watched uh, 1952's Scaramouche. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, gotta do the Fandango. I didn't see any Fandango, but the whole time through I was like, is there gonna Wait. be Fandango in this? Was, was there Thunderbolts and Lightning? Uh, very, very, very frightening. No, no. Galileo. I don't really like old-timey movies well, that much. what movie was they, this? What, what Scaramouche, year was this? 1952. 1952. But this movie was actually, like, really cool. Uh, okay. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's very dual-oriented, which was excellent for this episode. And it's based on a 1921 novel, so obviously the novel was probably based on this as well. Mm-hmm. It feels like somebody said, let's do a Shakespearean style comedy, you know, but we'll have lots and lots of dueling and fighting and a charismatic, fun character in it. People love that stuff. I could really see how somebody at that time could watch this movie and then grow up being a big fan of like the swashbuckling, dueling, devil may care character. So was it gun dueling or sword dueling? It was a sword dueling. Uh It uh, features Stuart Granger as the main character. He plays the part of Scaramouche. Scaramouche is a standard comedia del arte character. Mm, kind of like a clown. Uh, kind of a, 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 a He's clown. He's the trickster. Yeah. And so he, as the character, hides out from somebody by pretending to be Scaramouche, who's always wearing this mask. Right. But it's about basically... He hides a, out from the evil
evil dueler. There's an aristocrat who kills his his best friend in a duel, uh, but a very unfair duel. Like yeah. the guy is completely outmatched. The scales and was, were tipped. Yeah, it was unfairly. ridiculous that they even dueled in the first place. He sees it happen, uh, declares that he will kill the the aristocrat. The same way that he killed his friend, but the thing is he sucks at dueling. Right. So, of course, he flees. <laughs> yeah. And then they spend the rest of the time uh, going back and forth and meeting and dueling and fighting and not fighting. And uh, But the whole way through, it's, like, really interesting. So it's not just, like, a super long, like, A-team uh, montage. About, no. Like, you're preparing for the big 80s fight. training montage, no. but dueling, yeah. No, it's, it's very character-driven. And the thing that's really impressive to me is there's two uh, strong female characters in this. Now it's gonna not gonna f- to pass that. What is it the what's the test? The, the Bechdel oh, the test. The, the test. Be- talks test. about something other than the man. It's, it's yeah. not gonna pass that because you know he's the main character and they do talk about him. But each of these women is absolutely not just a prize to be won. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are all very active in what's going on. As a matter of fact, they actually take it upon the two of themselves to make sure that these two men don't meet to duel. Right. Constantly trying to maneuver so that when he would show up to here, the other one would be gone somewhere else so that this didn't happen. So is this it's interesting com- because they both want him. Yeah, but they work together to make sure well, that because he he's going to die because yeah. they know that he's yeah. bad at dueling. Yeah. Right, so they're so trying to keep him alive, but he is just headstrong and going after this guy. So, is this a comedy of errors or is it a drama? Comedy in the Shakespearean sense I that see. it ends up uh, happy. <laughs> okay, I, okay, I don't mean comedy, haha. <laughs> Although all those Scaramouche plays, because this the lead character, as Joe said, mm-hmm. takes over the Scaramouche character in right. this kind of acting troupe. Yeah. So uh-huh. whenever we see him playing the role of Scaramouche on stage, is all sorts of ridiculous, Phys- broad physical comedy, yeah, right. which is stuff what that, that people was, would laugh yeah. at. Mm-hmm. I have some trivia about the uh, the actual fight sequences. The eight minute long duel in the theater between Stuart Granger and Mel Ferrer took eight weeks of preparation including memorizing 87 fencing passes. As a result of filming this sequence, Granger suffered several injuries like a wrenched knee, a damaged shoulder, and an injured back. Stunt doubles were a foreign right. concept in 1952, people, I guess. They wanted people to do their own their yeah, own yeah. stunts, right? Yep. A fencing sequence where trainer Harriman's almost lost an eye, and mm. an incident where Granger's wife, Jean Simmons, no relation to the Kiss bassist, uh-huh. was visiting the set and almost received a flying sword in the face. Oh, nice. <laughs> The first half hour, I was completely lost. I had no idea what was going yeah. on. It's but it really started. It really plot. started to come together after that point. Uh, do you want to go to Roy? the duelists? We talked about the duelists in our swords episode. Really, but, but we we have to mention it. It's 1972, based on the 19-year duel between uh, Dupont and Fournier over a minor slight. Uh, every we meet every couple of years in duel. Yeah. That eventually ended when Dupont tricked Fournier into shooting because they eventually ended it on a pistol duel. They had three shots. He tricked Fournier into shooting at his empty clothing. He basically bugs bunnied him, mm-hmm. <laughs> shooted his hat, shooted his coat. Ha ha, now you don't have anything left. And then he walked up and said, look, I just got married. I want to stop this. Mm-hmm. I can kill you now. I'm choosing not to. We're done. Did so it work? It worked. They stopped. Okay. Yeah. The Duelist is, is loosely based on that with Harvey Keitel and is it Keith? Which, which of the Carradines in it? I'm pretty sure it's Keith. Does Harvey Keitel take off all of his clothes and cry? I, I <laughs> don't think so. No, it's too bad. <laughs> and I'm really glad. It's very realistic dueling. It's very brutal. It's very fast. It's They get cut. They're hurt. They're staggering around, unable to... It's choreographed by William Hobbs. Bob Anderson choreographed Scaramouche. The other great choreographer. Oh, okay, nice. these, these, these are the two guys that were competing with each other. So Bob Anderson did Scaramouche, Moonraker, Highlander, okay. By the Sword, First Night. He was Darth Vader in the costume for the Duels in Empire and Jedi. Because, as I said, Mark played Luke Skywalker without any protection at all. It was realized due to the restrictions of the Darth Vader costume. 
especially when it came to field of vision, that behind the mask they needed an expert swordsman. Right. So as not to cut Mark Hamill's head off. Beautiful face, yes. Well, it already already been mutilated in a car accident. I had such a crush on Luke Skywalker. Um, He lost 14 pounds during Empire because that steam isn't cold. It's steam, it's heated. It's steam. So it's 14 pounds. Cloud City? Yeah. Bespin. Um, Well, Cloud City is on Bespin. He also did The Princess Bride, Mask of Zorro, Three Musketeers, Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean, and James Bond. Yeah, knock me over with a feather. Princess Bride, duel Mm. or not a duel? I say it's a duel. It's not a duel. It's not arranged. It's not a duel of honor. No. I guess they kind of sort of arrange it when he's coming up and he says, I could kill you right now. Yeah, and then he says, we'll wait till you're ready, and then they become more formalized. One of the things about that is everything that they're saying in there is actual fencing instructors' names. Oh, when they're, oh, I see you do the... Yeah, what they're doing isn't what they're saying. But when they're saying, unless he studies Agrippa, that's all the stuff actually is actual fencing masters of the time. Yeah, yeah. Somebody did the research when they wrote Uh, that script. Apparently, Maddie Patinkin and Carrie Elwes got so into that, they would leave the set still fighting and have to be pulled back on to set. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the other choreographer, the guy who choreographed Duelist, is William Hobbs. Among the movies that he choreographed were The Duelists, Treasure Island, Excalibur, King Lear, Brazil, Ladyhawk, Willow, Dangerous Liaisons, Rob Roy, Robin Hood, Hamlet... And Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, they, you know, people yeah. get a reputation for being good at something, and then everybody who wants to have the good stuff, oh, they look, hire the person. He's the Hobbit swordmaster. There's a great French movie called Ridicule that I love the movie, because the point of it was in, uh, in one of the King Louis' courts, he valued wit above all other things. And oh, how, is there a duel of wits? Ooh. There are many duels of wits. Oh, nice. It's all basically your to humiliate. They call it wit, but the whole point is to humiliate your foe to the point where they're kind of drummed out of the inner circle. Like people oh. just start make fun of them. Like you ruin lives and careers. And there's this country nobleman who comes into the city because he needs the king to build a dam or some levy or something like that. And the king won't even give him an audience unless he proves that he's he's witty enough, okay, right? Okay. So then he starts like basically taking down all the big players in the court one at a time to curry favor with the king. And he just wants to build a dam. Yeah, and then he eventually and all he wants is yeah, to the right to build a dam. And he uh, eventually gets to the point where he insults somebody to the point where he challenges him to a duel and then they actually have to duel. Like a proper stabby duel. Like a proper stabby shooty duel, yeah. Okay. And that's kind of the climax of the film is this actual duel after all these duels, dueling mm-hmm. wits. Everybody should run out and see so it. So it's like 17th century French rap battles. Uh, yeah, amongst other things. I mean, there is somebody gets peed on. Oh, oh it's 18th century French. Yeah, me. somebody yeah. gets peed on. Your okay. mama's so fat, she can have her cake and eat it too. <laughs> Woo! The, the Greenland Inuit did the same thing. They had uh, things they called inth songs to duel when you were pissed off at somebody who got together with your family and made up a, ridic- a song, and then they ridiculed each other in public until the crowd decided somebody had won. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Any other pop culture? Well, Rob Roy. Yeah, fantastic uh, duel in Rob Roy. The great thing about it is that it's it's two completely different styles of swords being used. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the main is that allowed? Rob Roy McGregor uh, using his claymore, his huge right. uh, long sword. It's not a claymore. It's a hand and a half. He it's a hand and a half. He, he uses it two handed multiple points. It's right. it's a little bit shorter than a claymore, but it's it's very it's a broad sword. It's okay. a, it's definitely a hand and a half. Yeah, and uh, with uh, Tim Roth playing this. Uh, if, I don't want to call him effeminate, but so, effete so is that, uh, aristocrat. The thing about that I love about it is, is normally it's reversed. Normally it's the good guy 
is the smaller guy who's got to yeah. rely on speed and he's fighting the big brute you know and whereas Tim Roth so clearly outclasses Liam Neeson he's destroying him and I love that there's a moment when Tim Roth who does look effete pulls off his wig because mm-hmm. he's wearing the big renaissance wig yeah. and all of a sudden you're like oh now he's menacing <laughs> all of a sudden you're like now you suddenly go the wig's off pal the wig yeah. is off this dude's <laughs> actually a badass and you see because i love tim roth i've always loved him and I, I i think he actually looks like a guy who could kill somebody in a sword fight to me he's I mean, got that look on his face tim roth know? is definitely one of my all-time favorites yeah he's a guy did you like him in the incredible hulk no neither actually he was the only good thing in that movie <laughs> yeah. well i like Edward Norton in that movie. But. Very briefly in video games, Team Fortress 2 has a an actual dueling aspect to it. In the game itself, there's an item that you can equip called the dueling minigame, and it allows you to challenge a player on the other team to a duel, and you can set up rules to it. Like you can say, I would like to do a class-locked duel, which means we both have to play this one class. Mm-hmm. And it keeps track of, through that round, how often you kill each other, and whoever gets the most kills wins. The other person can decline, in uh-huh. which case the server announces that they cowardly declined your oh. challenge. Ah, nice. <laughs> so everybody knows. So it's kind of like Halo wrapped up in shaming. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's better with a little shame. <laughs> I've, I've won a few duels here and there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I I still play. It's been like six years. You are now. boastful, sir. I challenge you to a duel. I'll take you. Take you. Bring it, Kevin. You and me and Team Fortress 2, that's one where I will be confident. That I will destroy you. Okay, but we do have they to do have it? the bag option? Do they have force the opponent in the bag option? Oh my god, they need that. No, but if you play pyro, you could air blast somebody over a cliff. I say we do it naked. Deal. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being controlled by parasitic wasp lava. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Karen Stiles. Uh-huh. Yes. That's a homonym. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're a homonym. Yeah, you're a homonym. <laughs> Why are you so homonymophobic? Moving on. What's the homonym for? <laughs> What's-